Hello and welcome to H2 Tech Talk, the podcast series from H2 Tech, the hydrogen technology journal from Gulf Energy Information. I'm Adrian Bloom, Editor-in-Chief of H2 Tech and your host for H2 Tech Talk. This week, we'll be talking with Dr. Philip Severin, Senior Director of Business Development for Linda Clean Hydrogen. So before we get started with the discussion, I'd like to remind you to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast for more expert discussions on technology and trends in the hydrogen sector. It's easy to do. Just click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or Blueberry. So with that said, I'd first like to uh, ask uh, Dr. Severin to introduce himself a little bit and um, talk about what he does at Linda, and then we'll get into some of our questions. Thank you, Adrian, uh, for the um, kind introduction. So really looking forward to the discussion today with you. So um, as said, so my name is Philip Severin, and I'm working for Linda, um, as Senior Director for Business Development in the Linda Clean Hydrogen Group. So we uh, formed at Linda last year this group to put uh, even more, let's say, focus uh, on clean hydrogen, where we believe uh, will be uh, quite a big future. Um, but if you speak about hydrogen, Linda has already quite some history on hydrogen. So we are, let's say, uh, more than 100 years already uh, working with hydrogen. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the clean hydrogen uh, uh, business unit, I'm working on uh, developing new projects, looking uh, for partnerships, developing, uh, let's say, strategic partnerships, uh, because this, let's say, new area um, uh, to bring this forward, this cannot be done by only one company. Uh, meaning uh, many companies, also, let's say, uh, governments, authorities and sports needs to work together to uh, develop this uh, new area um, to uh, really have an impact in the future to create uh, this uh, new clean hydrogen environment. Interesting. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that overview. So um, I want to launch right into talking about um, some of the some of the projects that I know that you are involved in. So Linda provides technology for, um, among other things, hydrogen refueling station networks um, for both commercial and passenger vehicles. And uh, I know the company's installed over 200 hydrogen fueling stations to date. So um, can you talk a little bit about the, the regions or localities where these refueling stations are set up? Um, what types of transportation routes they enable? Um, you know, is the plan that eventually motorists in Europe and other areas will be able to travel cross country or cross region on hydrogen alone? Um, and also, can you talk a little bit about the Linda's technology behind the hydrogen fueling stations? Sure, thank you very much for this uh, good question. So um, if, if you talk about hydrogen fueling stations, there's currently uh, quite some focus, let's say, if you talk about uh, trucks, heavy duty trucks, uh, about buses, and even uh, trains, we have, uh, let's say, now projects uh, starting. Mm -hmm. So um, if you speak about hydrogen refueling stations, uh, we see here currently a lot of movement uh, for, for these, uh, let's say, vehicles. And uh, uh, you see it, uh, let's say, in different areas around the world. So it's globally distributed. You see in California. Uh, developments you see in uh, Germany uh, developments uh, where we also let's say um, uh, took part in the past to develop almost 100 fueling stations uh, uh, as part of H2 mobility in this case for the passenger cars 
Um, but also um, uh, we have other examples for hydrogen refueling stations for buses, for example. We just opened one uh, last year in Cologne in Germany. Or as well, we saw, uh, let's say, we sold uh, several fueling stations to Japan or other countries in Asia, for example. Mm -hmm. So the, let's say in the future, uh, the regions, I would say, it really depends uh, also uh, where, let's say, uh, government support towards such, a, I call it hydrogen economy and, and what you see in Europe, what you see now picking up what you have in California, for example, but what you also see picking up in, uh, in other Asian countries like China, for example, or South Korea. So, so talking about, let's say, the different, uh, let's say, transportation uh, routes. Um, so, so currently, since this is, let's say, just starting, if I talk about trucks or buses, um, uh, you see in the very beginning uh, uh, back-to-base applications, what we have, for example, uh, for buses, where you have a bus depot, the buses uh, are then uh, going back to, the, let's say, the bus depot for refueling and then uh, going out to service again. And the same you can, of course, also envisage uh, for trucks, but for trucks, then the next step would be kind of a hub and cluster structure that you have, let's say, several fueling points. But the end goal is, and of course, to really have a network uh, of fueling stations uh, to uh, for the trucks uh, to go to. And uh, this is, let's say, the, the, the bigger step uh, which should uh, hopefully happen. And then, the, let's say, um, uh, soon in the future. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe speaking also briefly about uh, technology in this regard. So from the side, uh, we have uh, two main technologies in this regard. So we have the ionic compressor and the cryo pump. So for the ionic compressor, there you typically have um, gaseous hydrogen, which is delivered to a refueling station. And then we use the ionic compressor to compress it to higher pressures, uh, pressure levels, for example, 50 bar, 700 bar. So the technology we have, this ionic compressor has uh, several advantages uh, due to the ionic liquid. It has uh, not too many moving parts, uh, which helps, of course, the compressor to, uh, to have, let's say, lower levels of maintenance required. And then as a second uh, to mention is, of course, the cryo pump, which uh, uh, Berlin has uh, quite some advantage from the technology side uh, in this regard that uh, um, we can uh, use liquid hydrogen as a, let's say, supplied to a fueling station. And then with the cryo pump, which is immersed in this liquid hydrogen, we can generate up to 900 bars of pressure levels. And then you can bring it to the 350 or 700 bar as required, for example. And the big advantage is you have a very low power consumption if you compare it to, let's say, uh, normal compression from gaseous hydrogen, which is also very important in the future if you think for higher throughputs. So I pick up the truck example from before. It, the truck requires already uh, uh, much more hydrogen than a passenger car. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, to, let's say, meet this demand, um, you need also a higher throughput for that. And uh, this is, let's say, one of the big advantages you will have or you have already with a cryo pump and uh, uh, to, let's say, fulfill that, also from a logistics point of view and also, let's say, the footprint, let's say, of a fueling station gets smaller uh, because you need, uh, you have smaller tanks for liquid hydrogen compared to the gaseous hydrogen. 
And I mean, lastly, uh, uh, mentioned uh, we have also a new refueling technology. We're working together jointly with uh, Daimler Trucks. It's called uh, subcooled liquid hydrogen. So this is also a very interesting new area we're working on. Interesting. Can you tell me a bit more about the subcooled liquid hydrogen and your collaboration with Daimler Trucks? Oh yeah, happy to, happy to do. So basically, it's. Uh, uh, it's like a consequence uh, for further development of the technologies. I spoke about the cryo pump before, where we have already liquid hydrogen at a, at a fueling station. And then the next step would be, of course, uh, using the liquid hydrogen directly in, in, the, in the vehicle, in this case, in a truck, to fuel the liquid hydrogen in the truck. And uh, um, this is, uh, let's say, uh, what we're working on. But what is subcooled liquid hydrogen? So subcooled liquid hydrogen means we use liquid hydrogen, but at a certain pressure level, so around 16 bars. Mm -hmm. And why do we do this? Uh, the fueling gets much simpler. So you don't uh, have any uh, back gas. You have just a single flow for the fueling. You can uh, achieve uh, very high, uh, let's say fueling rates, more than 400 kilograms uh, per hour. Uh, what you can refuel with uh, with a subcooled liquid hydrogen, what we hope to achieve. And on top, and this is also uh, the same as for the cryo pump, but even better, is uh, the power consumption goes further down. And uh, that means uh, you see the, the power consumption required at a fueling station is even lower. So if you have a compressor, if you have gaseous hydrogen at a fueling station, you will have, if you really have a big throughput uh, of many, many trucks per day, you will need uh, a huge, let's say, you have a huge power demand just for the compression. And this you don't have as a cryo pump and even less for the, let's say, subcooled liquid hydrogen. Speaking briefly about the trucks on the other side, uh, so where Daimler is working on. So the, the technology has uh, several advantages. You don't need uh, carbon fiber tanks. Um, and uh, meaning you have... Uh, stainless steel double walled uh, tanks, what would you have? So this is, let's say, a big advantage uh, regarding uh, weight uh, and, and space you require in the truck. And uh, on top of that, you have, of course, a higher density of liquid hydrogen compared to gaseous. And as uh, you can transport basically more hydrogen. So the Daimler's working more than 80 kilograms uh, uh, per truck for, for, to have in the, uh, for tank storage. And to have with this uh, more than 1,000 kilometers uh, reach without uh, refueling, uh, which is, of course, uh, a big advantage. And we're looking very much forward to develop now this uh, subcritical hydrogen to uh, technology and to bring it uh, as soon as possible uh, to the market. Interesting. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to hear about the differences uh, in, you know, fueling station uh, design and, and, and refueling technology design between, you know, gaseous and, and liquefied hydrogen, and then also, you know, for um, heavy duty trucks versus passenger vehicles. So thanks for, thanks for uh, that information. That's, that's very interesting. Um, so I want to talk about something else. So earlier this year, there was also news that Linda will build hydrogen liquefiers in South Korea. Um, can you tell me a bit more about hydrogen liquefiers and Linda's view on the role of liquid hydrogen in the future? Yes, and, and indeed. So, so we announced earlier this year um, that we want to build um, 
30 tons per day uh, liquefaction capacity or liquefiers uh, in, in Korea. And this is uh, again for mobility as application due to the reasons as, uh, as discussed before. And um, um, this we are doing in a joint venture uh, and, uh, and uh, basically uh, this is one of the steps what PC currently picking up, uh, so let's say liquid hydrogen. Um, uh, if, if you look on the map, uh, you have already a lot of liquid hydrogen available in the US, uh, not so much in Europe uh, or in Asia yet, but we see here, let's say, growing demand. So typically in, in the past, uh, so liquid hydrogen is not new for us. So we have customers using today liquid hydrogen, for example, the semiconductor industry, uh, or, and so, so also interesting, uh, rocket fuel, it's used liquid hydrogen, just a, a few examples. Uh, for semiconductor industry, just to pick up this example, there the demand is of course not that high as one expects in the future for mobility. So there you talk about smaller liquefiers, uh, let's say for example, five tons per day liquefier. But in the future, one expects even larger liquefiers. Uh, and uh, there, if you think about mobility, 20 to 50 tons per day or bigger. So we build already uh, uh, 30 tons per day liquefier. And uh, there, uh, we even look at even bigger ones than that. And uh, in fact, uh, Lynn is here a leader in the liquefaction technology. So the ma majority of the uh, world's installed hydrogen liquefaction plants uh, have been built by Linde. And we have also, let's say, the highest uh, liquefaction capacity of 170 tons per day. And uh, uh, now for the future, looking for liquefiers uh, even beyond 100 tons per day range. Uh, uh, and uh, here, I think one key aspect is, of course, um, uh, you have different technologies. So for the smaller liquefiers, uh, for example, the helium Brighton cycle or, or mid-size, they use a different technology. And here we also look for, let's say, improvements in efficiency and reducing then with, let's say, bigger scale, also the cost of liquefaction. And maybe at the end also to mention uh, to this question, I think uh, there could be even applications in the future to uh, one uses hydrogen as an energy vector. So producing hydrogen at, in countries where you have a lot of renewable energy available in the future, where you have a lot of wind and, 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 uh, and, and sun shining, and then you could produce hydrogen, you could liquefy it and then transport it to countries uh, which need to import in the future. And uh, there is liquefaction, of course, also a key technology um, in the future. Interesting. Okay. Um, so moving kind of back out a bit to hydrogen production. So you have a joint venture with ITM Power called ITM Linda Electrolysis. Uh, that offers the latest modular electrolysis technology for hydrogen production. So can you talk a little bit about where the JV is concentrating future expansion of electrolysis capacity and what types of projects this will involve? Yeah, so, so thank you very much for this question. Um, and uh, let's, uh, we are, let's say we see a very high potential uh, in this technology, the, the PEM electrolyzers. Uh, and of course, ITM power technology and our joint venture, um, um, ITM Linda Electrolysis, and where we bring, uh, let's say, a lot of engineering experience and the global reach in to realize uh, projects, bigger projects as well. And there are, of course, a lot of advantages. Uh, just to name one is, of course, uh, 
uh, of the PEM electrolysis to follow the renewable electricity uh, production, uh, ramping up and down. Scalability, we see uh, quite some potential, especially for the ITM power technology here for the future. And uh, you're asking regarding uh, where, let's say, um, uh, what, what type of projects and which, uh, let's say, areas, locations. So in this, we are very open, of course, but we see also, let's say, globally, um, uh, questions in this regard uh, or opportunities uh, where we work on. Um, and uh, this is uh, for, for many different industries uh, and a lot of different sizes uh, for electrolysis. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, um, 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 a lot of different geographies, and uh, maybe um, uh, to um, uh, to mention uh, another announcement. Uh, actually, where we uh, from Linde bought uh, from the joint venture electrolysis is um, uh, we had earlier this year an announcement uh, for our chemical cluster in Leuna, that's in Germany, uh, where we will now build a 24 megawatt electrolysis uh, plant, and uh, this uh, um, uh, is already kind of a next step. But we even look beyond and uh, ITM Power opened uh, just recently a one gigawatt uh, uh, annual production facility in the UK uh, to ramp up further. So if you look at the technology, you have the standardized two megawatt modules and the next step is in the five megawatt uh, modules, what you will have uh, for the bigger installations. And this is exactly required if you uh, think about uh, call it three-digit megawatt sizes of uh, electrolysis plants, uh, which should come hopefully in the next two to three years. And um, uh, there is then, of course, uh, uh, quite some advantage uh, scalability to bring the cost further down uh, of the electrolysis technology. Interesting, okay. So I want to talk um, another, for another, uh, our last question, another JV that you have, um, Linda is also involved in hydrogen powered locomotion through a collaboration with Alstom. So can you share an update on Linda and Alstom's planned opening of the first hydrogen refueling station for passenger trains in Germany? And also um, what learnings do the companies hope to achieve from this project? So to the collaboration uh, with uh, Alstom, um, so we're very proud uh, for this uh, project basically because this will be the first uh, hydrogen refueling stations for hydrogen refueling station for a hydrogen uh, fuel cell train mm -hmm. uh, or trains to be precise. So uh, this will be built in, in the northern part of Germany in Bremerförde for LNBG and. Uh, this is uh, basically uh, to fuel uh, 14 Alstom trains. And uh, this should uh, go, uh, let's say, in operation already this year. And uh, basically, uh, there are a lot of advantages comparable to, let's say, what has been said before for trucks, as well as for the Alstom trains here. Um, uh, you have quite some reach. You can reach here 1,000 kilometers with these trains. Mm -hmm. It's uh, very quiet. You do not have the emissions uh, at the train, so there are several advantages. If you look at our fueling station, uh, we can do, uh, let's say, fast fueling in 15 minutes uh, of a train. Uh, it's the first uh, hydrogen fueling station. It's also the biggest refueling station, so it makes 1.6 tons per day. Uh, we can... Uh, 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 fuel hydrogen per day. That's a lot. So we fuel it at 350 bar. And in a first step, 
we will supply the hydrogen uh, via trailer, but uh, we will expand or we, uh, we, uh, we are planning to expand this, uh, build an electrolyzer with wind power uh, for the fueling station, which would be the next step. And very importantly, we have your other great business model from, uh, from what, what Linda can offer here. And uh, we offer here basically the complete solution. So we build the refueling station, we operate it, we maintain it, we supply the hydrogen, meaning uh, the, the, the whole, let's say, hydrogen fueling part uh, plus supply is covered by Linde, which is, I think is also a great advantage for the future for adoption uh, for future other projects. And uh, um, Maybe to the learnings, uh, it's of course first of kind projects, uh, as I said, very, very proud of. And um, there will be for sure uh, learnings, and uh, especially now when the, the, the trains and the fueling station goes in operation. But we see also very great potential in the future to expand uh, uh, this concept or the fueling station also to new projects, new sites, and other countries. Interesting. Okay. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And a quick follow-on question. So I'm curious, with those trains, the hydrogen power trains, are those um, are those are those new build uh, vehicles, or are they converted from existing trains? Do they have to be built uh, new for for this purpose? So these uh, these are new new build trains, uh, okay. which are currently uh, produced in Salzgitter, Germany, and Alstom. I think they are testing these trains since. 2018 with more than 200,000 kilometers already uh, of experience with these trains. And um, yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, thank you. Well, I wanna thank you, Dr. Severin, for sharing your insights with the H2 Tech audience. It was a pleasure having you as a guest today. Thank you very much. And also thank you very much for the invitation. Of course. And to the audience, if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts or Blueberry.